Welcome to the Neanderthal Mind, bringing you riveting, educational, humorous, and sometimes serious perspectives on our Neanderthal mind. We dive deep into why what our Neanderthal ancestors did to survive still has a profound effect on our modern mind. Take a journey with us as we roll back the clock millions of years. All right, my fellow cave dwellers, if you're ready, let's get this wheel rolling. Now here's your host and the leader of the pack, Anthony Yokolano. Hello, hello, and welcome, my cave dweller community. As you all know, my name is Anthony, and I am your host of the Neanderthal Mind. Joining me on today's episode is Joe Lawler, primitive weapons and tool maker. Neanderthal Joe, as he is known by his community, is also a primitive designer of jewelry, clothing, and leather bags, as well as hide-working furs for everyday uses. Neanderthal Joe is well-versed and well-polished in the Levelois style of flint napping common among Moisterian Neanderthal sites. He creates all of his designs using the primitive Neanderthal techniques of hammerstone, bone hammer, horsehair, milkweed, pine pitch, and good old wood whittling. You can check all of his creations on his Facebook shop, Neanderthal Joe's Shop. I will have all of his social media homes listed in the show notes on this week and next week's episode. Yes, Neanderthal Joe will be joining us for two episodes. I had to break it up into two episodes due to so much awesome content, knowledge, and history of primitive tools, weapons, jewelry, and clothing that Neanderthal Joe throws down during our hour plus conversation. We also touch on when and why Neanderthal Joe got into flint napping and what started his love for Neanderthals on a weekend stay with his gram and they wanted to go to one of the local Ontario Canada museums. So without further ado, join me and Neanderthal Joe in a sit down conversation about primitive life and the tools weapons and articles made of fur and hide that helped our ancestors survive millions of years. So let's get this wheel rolling in my cave dweller community. Was that on uh, oh, your YouTube channel with an author or something, right? Is that yeah. the one that you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, I guess, heck, we can just start with that question, really. Um, you might as well. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, now, why did you not continue to do those types of interviews i just um i i really like this author like she's a really nice woman i decided i'll just interview her because i had a bigger audience at the time so i interviewed her it it went well and everything but then i was like there's just too much work going into this that i like because uh i already got my group and i have my shop page and then youtube and just to write down all the questions and all that and it just it didn't really seem like it was worth my time anymore and I thought it went well, but you know, there's other people to do it, and I can't do everything, right? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with trying, but uh, at least you tried, you know. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Going back to the, I think I did another interview with another author, but he asked me to delete it or something. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could be wrong about that. <laughs> Too long ago, I guess, huh? Well, first off, I just wanted to say thanks, man. I appreciate you. Uh, yeah, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you being willing to sit down and have a little chat with me. Uh, 
you know, like I said, I was just, I wanted to try and formulate it towards the basis of what the Neanderthal mind is about, you know, um, it's, it's, it was more about the, um, I, I like the, the characteristics, uh, the behavior patterns that we uh, developed uh, because of our Neanderthal ancestors, uh, psychology, yeah. whatever it might be. But actually the, the weapons, which you've seen by the questions I sent you, it, it can still tie into, you know, how our Neanderthal ancestors, um, yeah. you know, had, had an influence on our modern day weapons and tools or whatever it might be. So, yeah. So definitely um, I appreciate it. No worries. I, uh, the, uh, the one question I think it was, um, what Neanderthal weapons influenced modern technology or something like that? What tools or weapons followed the lineage of flint napped weapons or tools? I think is the one you're talking about maybe. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, If you want to get into that one, sure. Let's, let's do that. So basically like I would, I would say the spear because the spear has always been around. I would say that's probably humanity's oldest weapon at this point. Okay. It might have started with Homo erectus because we know that they were around for what almost two million years. Sure, sure. They probably had some simple thrusting spears, but going into modern times, we still fix bayonets to a um, to rifles and such. So that's uh, so a bayonet is just a more advanced version of a spear. I would say it's uh, really my answer for it. Sure. No, I definitely agree with that. I, I definitely see that. Now, with that, the um, you know one of the other things I had on there was um, yeah okay so fl- the the following question was flint napping was kind of a precursor to knives arrows swords that sort of thing I guess you can uh, contribute their design to uh, now obviously their their uh, medieval times in a sense knives arrows swords but uh, you know I would think that if Neanderthals hadn't started that kind of design. W- you know, would we have picked that up? Don't know, right? Yeah, I, I'm not, because like, I, I mostly focus on the Mousterian and uh, Levois type flint napping. But I know there's Oldowan, which I think is some of the oldest technology, and Homo erectus. I don't think they ever made spear points or anything. I think they only made uh, simple hand axes. So I would probably say around the time of the Neanderthals and maybe early Homo sapiens is when we really started to put half the spear points on the spear shafts i would say so i would say that's um yeah safe to say sure Um, sure now again what and what around how long ago do you think that would have been uh i can't remember what um, i read on that maybe like a couple hundred thousand hundred fifty two hundred thousand years maybe something like that because we know neanderthals made the uh pine pitch glue or yeah pine pitch and uh, birch tar glue which i've seen you actually dabbled into huh you'd like to to get into that yeah, I uh, I tried it. I don't have, uh, there's not many birch trees in my area. It's more uh, coniferous trees, so like pines and all that. Okay. But um, every time I get a uh, birch tree, I have access to a birch tree. I try to make some birch tar glue, and I was successful my last time. I got maybe a little handful worth, and uh, yeah. Yeah, seeing that uh, your one, what was it, little video you posted where somehow or another it got stuck on your PS4 controller or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> sat my because I don't really play video games because uh, I kind of think it's a waste of time. But uh, I watch YouTube and stuff all for background noise. So I I sat my controller down on it. And I guess the controller heated up too much and the glue just stuck to the bottom of the controller. <laughs> yeah, that would be <laughs> old meat and new. I guess you can say in a sense. Yeah. Old and new, yeah. Well, let's just let's start from the top then. Just uh, you know, I guess just give me a little rundown about yourself, like. Uh, 
you know, again, you, you're up in Canada, correct? Yeah, I live in Ontario in between the Great Lakes. So the weather is kind of fluctuate a lot. It gets really cold and it's really hot. Like today, it's kind of hot. Well, hot for a Canadian, I guess. But <laughs> Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I'm 21. Um, I've been interested in Neanderthal technology for about five years now. I plan on going to college for anthropology in coming years. Oh, awesome. That's good. That's uh, that's really it. Uh, I'm not going to go into my personal details too much. But that's up to you. Right? I mean, whatever you want to get into. That's I guess that we'll, we'll stick with more on... Um, so Now, how did you get into the art of flint napping or, or prehistory clothing and jewelry and everything? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I would say maybe I was six or seven and my grandma, I would stay at my grandma's like a lot of people do. Oh, sure. Um <laughs> I think she had a VCR of Clan of the Cave Bear. And I said, Grandma, can I watch this? And she let me watch it. Um, and I just, I would watch it like every time I went over there. And I think that's probably what started it. I also really liked the Flintstones when I was younger. But, <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think what really set it off is I went, there's a museum of, I think it's called the Natural History Museum of London, but in London, Ontario, where I live. Okay. And uh, I wanted to go to the museum and it just so happens that a powwow was going on. And uh, there was a group of flint nappers and I was like, oh, what's that? It's really interesting. And uh, they sat me down, they showed me everything. And that's where I met my flint napping mentor, who then I guess gave me private lessons, you would call it. And sure. uh, since, so that was about five years ago now. And he got me going with uh, copper tools, which so that's more modern. I would say probably copper age maybe and uh early bronze age to now um so he got me doing that with like native american technology recreating native like clovis points and uh adder orchard points and all that side notch and then i i watched a neanderthal documentary one day and i'm like that's pretty cool and ever since then that's just what i've been interested in with the flint napping it's uh it's not everyone's cup of tea but i enjoy it so I try to uh, enlighten people with it, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. Now, do you want to give a, um, a shout out to your mentor, or do you think he would rather not be mentioned? Uh, his name's Stephen. He's from Ontario. If uh, any other Flint Napper from Ontario will know who he is, I won't give out his last name. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, definitely. Pretty cool guy. Good, good. Now, he, so he's been obviously doing it for a lot longer, I'd imagine. Oh yeah, way longer than I've been alive. I think <laughs> forty years now. Okay, very good. <laughs> now do you have any so i guess we touched lightly on it but uh like any history on when flint napping started i guess we figured that was about what one hundred fifty thousand, maybe two hundred thousand years ago possibly uh i know there's pebble tools from africa that are about two million years old oh. but they're like very very crude choppers and i think scientists think that they were used for breaking over breaking open um the large bones of ungulates and stuff okay from uh, scavenged remains but I would say flint napping and the way we see it, like making hand axes and arrowheads really started picking up around a hundred or not a hundred, like 300,000 years ago in the time of the Neanderthals and very, very archaic Homo sapiens. Let's see. So one thing I also wanted to touch on too is, so you've only been doing it for about five years. Now what, what did your, and I don't know if you have pictures posted or not on your, uh, I think you might have on your Instagram or whatever it is, but uh, what were your first attempts at it like How did they were very they were very um fat and uh 
narrow points. So if you take like a, like a fridge, it's not very wide. Sure. I mean, it's not very, uh, like when you look at deep, it, it's not very pack. long. Right, it's right. Very, very chunky points. Uh, a lot of people would say my points are chunky now, but that's just because I don't really focus on, let's say, later cultures. I uh, Like, again, I do the level one stuff, and that's like uh, very – It's I wouldn't say it's basic, but it's um, it's not the prettiest technology, but I like it. But, yeah, uh, I can send you some pictures after this if uh, you think you can post them. I still got some of my early work, yeah, and I think I may have shared it a long time ago. I can't remember them. Yeah, I believe, uh, you know, again, looking on your Instagram is where I found most of the the, the, the photos at, but uh, I believe there were, uh, yes, some pictures of your earlier work. And now do you, do you still have those? Uh, you still keep those cherished or treasured <laughs> in a sense? Do you still have um, those early versions? So uh, one of the other flintknappers I know, he has a giant debitage pile. <laughs> and unfortunately, a debitage pile is just like leftover, like flakes and stuff. From okay. Flintknapping. I was going to ask you what that was. Okay. Every time I would go over there, I would be like, I'm unhappy with this point. And I would throw it into the giant pile. And so a lot of them are actually lost, but I did keep a few. <laughs> I wish I kept more. <laughs> well, yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty, as they say, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so now, and, and again, just again, I keep referring to the uh, Instagram photos because where most of them are, you sustained quite a few injuries from flit napping, I'm assuming. Yes, huh? yes definitely. <laughs> Mostly in the hands. Uh, I have cut my legs open a few times. You've probably seen that one. There's a gushing blood. Um, I've stepped on flakes because I, I, I typically walk around barefoot because I hate shoes and socks, but I have put a flakes. I have put flakes in my foot before, but most of the injuries I would say are in the hands. Your hands get pretty tough if you flint nap a lot. Good. Now for something from you about you sliced your finger open and you made some designs with it, but yeah, that might've been me. I, <laughs> I did paint a bear skull a while back with uh, my own blood. Ah, gotcha. I sliced my finger, but I have been experimenting with red ochre recently i actually have a video in the works of uh neanderthal's use of uh red ochre oh okay good um, good yeah well, shout out to matt he sent me the red ochre from newfoundland but uh <laughs> okay matt from newfoundland awesome <laughs> i would say if you mixed blood with red ochre you'd get a really nice vibrant red <laughs> maybe maybe blood from an animal or something that you don't want to continue yeah. to cut yourself open that way yeah, don't don't cut yourself for yeah mental archaeology <laughs> okay very good let's see what else we want to get into here let me try pig's blood or cow's blood or something. yes right right definitely <laughs> uh so let, let's go back to uh, we touched a little bit on it, but um, so you're you're thinking that maybe the more modern weapons would be the knives or the swords that uh, kind of followed the the lineage of flint napping, I guess. What other any other weapons or tools that you can think of that we can attribute to modern day uh, tools or weapons? Not really. Yeah, I I got a few examples, I guess, but uh, like lissures, they're um, they're like bone tools for leather working. That's they think that Neanderthals may have started that because um, they found, I think it's in France, France. I'm not quite sure, but it's a, it's a tool for waterproofing leather. Cause you use, if you use um, wood, it doesn't last as long. And if you use metal, it doesn't have the same effect. So you take a rib bone and you kind of, kind of flatten it out and then you round the tip off. And then on a finished piece of hide, you can, uh, you could work the lissure into it and then it uh, kind of seals the pores 
Okay. And they think that Neanderthals may have started that because the oldest one comes from, uh, I think, in Mousterian layers in France. It could be Spanish, but I'm not quite sure because I, I read about this a few months back. So then the the lassure is that what you say is that is that like a uh, like a, a an oil or a paste or what what is the they're usually made from the rib bone of a so in the time of the Neanderthals it would be a uh, a bison rib or an aurochs rib so they they just rubbed that on those leather hides and it made it waterproof you're saying That's it. yeah something like that okay. uh, saddle makers use it um, to waterproof the uh, saddles so you like you like you press it into the hide and then it closes off the pores and the oh, water I get you. slides okay. off. Yeah. Okay. So you're kind of just compressing all the cells or whatever in the hide and it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I understand um, now. Obviously knives. We've always needed knives because we don't have sharp claws or teeth to tear anything. So knives have definitely been with us for as long as we've been flint knapping. Arrowheads, obviously, there's still a lot of hunters that use broadheads and even there's a lot of hunters now such as uh ryan gill he's uh, hunts with um stone spearheads and all that uh i would say sickles may have started with stone i know that they're in the middle east and all that they have uh stone sickles from the antler bones uh, antler bones antler and you would um you take sec segments of uh, blade cores and you would glue them into the uh, curve of an antler and then you'd have a sickle okay. uh just trying to think here what else could uh, maybe draw knives because you always uh, you're always working wood in the primitive community uh, that's really all i can think about sure no no that's that's perfect yeah absolutely we also talked uh, the processes you use are original to the primitive ages correct like you don't use modern day hammers to to chisel out some uh, or to do any flint napping or anything like that correct you do the yeah i so most, I would say maybe 85% of flint knappers nowadays use copper tools or modern tools. Oh, okay. So such as uh, like copper, bronze, some use uh, horseshoe nails. I, I started off like that, like I was saying earlier, but uh, slowly over the years, I've gone completely primitive. Um, and now I use, I try to use uh, all hammer stones. Um, I sometimes use antler billets. So it's just like the antler of a deer and you use that to whack it. There's lots of people that use wood billets. I know wooden billets are uh, really popular in Europe, but uh, for the most part, I use hammer stones because uh, Levawa technology, you definitely need a big hammer stone to uh, work with. I have been experimenting recently with uh, leg bones from white-tailed deer. They're not really holding up, so I'm trying to get hold of, get a hold of some uh, either bison leg bones or uh, cow leg bones. I mostly, they call it abo flint napping nowadays, but primitive flint napping, I guess you would call it. Oh, okay. So abo refers to primitive. Yeah, I, I guess abo means aboriginal or something. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. One of the, uh, and it's even a stereotype that I grew up with, and I'm sure everyone else did, yeah. believe in which now, now uh, everything that I'm reading now is starting to change the mind thought that neanderthals were kind of just like mindless ogres <laughs> so yeah. now we're starting to come around to, to to realizing that you know for for someone to live millions of years they couldn't have been mindless ogres <laughs> yeah so with flint napping i mean there has to be a, a a tremendous amount of skill put into it yeah absolutely um 
again, going back to the level one foot napping, you have to know angles. You have to, even with uh, normal foot napping, you you got to plan like 10 stages ahead. You got to listen to what the rock says. You got to know what tool to use, how to grind it in a certain way. Uh, with level one foot napping, it's um, one, me- one mess up and the core is completely ruined. The idea of primitive man being lesser than us or whatever is, uh, I would say, pretty wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Now you're saying whenever you say you say level one or level wa is there a different level watha or something like that? What are you saying? Um, I think it's pronounced level wa. It's spelled uh, I'm not even. <laughs> no, that's okay. But it's like it's a word, not not the number one, right? Not level one. It's level wa. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's L E V A L L O I S. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I remember seeing some that people word, say actually. some people say. Uh, Levawau or Levawas. I okay. say Levawas. That's how I heard it say. How how many different techniques are there then? You got the 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 Levawa. Um, is there something called Clovis as well, or or is that just yeah? What? So there's there's Old World and New World. New World is more um, like arrowheads and all that. And Old World, they have arrowheads in later cultures, but in the beginning, it was mostly hand axes and bifaces and all that. Uh, I'm not really an expert, so I can't really go into all the different types, obviously. But well, um, definitely more experienced than most of us are at it. You know, if you've yeah. been doing it for as long yeah. as you have, so absolutely. I would, I would, I would say I know more than the average person. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so that uh, old, go ahead, go ahead, keep going. There's um, the two biggest ones that I can think of is bifacial flint napping, which would be like making side notch arrowheads or salutrian arrowheads and all that and then there's blade core napping which which would be like uh making those long skinny blades i don't know if you know what i'm talking oh i've seen those again on your instagram they to me that that reminds me more of a spearhead i guess to me just because of my lack of knowledge in it (laughs) you know when i see those long skinny ones that's what comes to my mind is seeing those at the end of a spear handle yeah so there's bifacial flint knifing is uh, I'm pretty sure is the most common one. And then blade cores are like level law and taking, I don't really know how, I've never done it before, so I can't really describe it properly, but sure, you take sure. a, take a block of flint and you basically knock the top off. So you have a flat surface and then you take long skinny blades off of it. And then it's just uh, you have a portable knife carrier with you. That's oh, definitely okay. the most I would say that's probably the most uh, bang for your buck, if you will, because you don't have to carry around a giant block of yeah, a giant everywhere. stone or what. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there's also like dagger technology, and I think the Bronze Age in Denmark and all that, they made uh, the Dan- the Danish daggers. Um, what else? There's the axe head technology for making celts and all that. That's a completely different technology than what I know. Um, yeah, there's just there's hundreds of different ways to make an arrowhead, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it, I guess it's really not something I realized that there's so many different levels, different ways. I mean, obviously, because I'm not in that realm of things, but uh, you know, it, it, it's got multi levels to it. Pretty interesting. Yeah. A lot of, and and especially where, because you're in America, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, in Canada and America, we're mostly shown uh, Native American stuff, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that's what most people here assume. It's like an arrowhead and all that. Uh, 
But if you go to like Germany and the Neander Valley, they'll be like, oh, well, that's a Mysterian spearhead, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Two very different things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, what uh, are there any other, uh, I guess I can call uh, the only word I can use are Neanderthal techniques you've mastered outside of flint napping. What else would you say? Well, and, and I guess mastered may not be a word you want to use, but what other techniques or uh, I definitely, I definitely would say I haven't mastered anything yet. Sure, uh, sure. I've come close to becoming good at making Levois course, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's not uniquely Neanderthal. But uh, fire making is definitely one thing that I'm kind of good at, but I still struggle with a lot. So the the main one I like to use is the uh, hand spindle technique. So you got a long skinny piece of wood or whatever and then you got a hearth board then you spin it until you get an ember but another one that we can definitely say neanderthals used is um iron pyrite and flint so you strike the pyrite onto a mushroom like chaga or uh another i think it's called birch polymer and it, they if you finally shred it it catches embers really well and then you can start a fire like that that's one i'm definitely more interested in because we 100 percent know that neanderthals did that so that's another thing I'm trying to master. I, I can do it, but it takes me like an hour to get a fire going. So if we're, if we ever get pushed back in time, we're going to freeze to death. If I'm a fire master. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing is uh, in the chat, I think the Chateau Peronian is the final um, techno complex of the Neanderthals. And I try to make a uh, caribou antler. I think they're called fat based points and uh, I try to replicate those and uh, it's not it's not hard to do but it takes a lot of patience so I would say that's probably another thing that I'm close to mastering sure sure very good uh, let's see now and, and just for I love finding fossils it's just I, and, and mostly around here all I ever find are fossils of plants now I don't know what like up in your area, Ontario, wherever it might be, what, what sort of fossils have you ever found or, or are usually found in your area? So in my area, it was, uh, I live in the, what's called the Forest City or Middlesex County. And it was very heavy with uh, Native American activity. So okay. we find, I have never found, but we can find Mazdodon bone fragments and uh, teeth and all that. But what you find most commonly around here is, um, I don't remember the names because uh, I'm not really interested in it, but okay. it's uh, like horn coral, I think. You find a lot of that around here. Oh, you know, I think you had a, a little video of that or something that you were yeah. showcasing. Okay. Yeah, and that's what kind of wanted me to ask you that question. I seen you found that and was wondering if you get into the fossil side of things or not. But yeah, if you don't, then you're not a problem. I'm definitely interested in more Ice Age fossils. That's what interests me. Okay. I love the Ice Age. That's probably my favorite time period in human history. Um, dinosaurs are obviously cool. Everyone loves oh, dinosaurs. Oh, that would be but... fantastic to find one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree, yeah. But it's not like, I'm not like crazy over the newest dinosaur news, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So then now getting back to your, your, your I guess, your skill level or what, what other... Let's just go with this. What other parts of animals have you made things from and what have you made? Um, I've made sinew thread from deer tendons. Uh, I used uh, guts to half deer once from a deer. 
I tried to tan a bison hide for my second hide that I've ever worked, and that was a huge mistake. A bison hide is like, if there's like levels, I'm on like level two of hide working, and a bison hide's like level twenty. So, <laughs> and then the uh, the birch tar, I think we yeah we touched on that. We touched okay. on that. That's that's a technology I want to get become more familiar with, but obviously there's not a lot of birch trees in my area. Um, pine pine pitch glue, pretty much anyone can do that. That's one of the easiest primitive things to do. The ba- the most basic form of it, you get some pine sap and you mix some charcoal with it, ground up charcoal, and then you heat it up for a bit. Uh, that, so that's, uh, you use that for you'd have you you could uh, have to knife blade with it. Um, okay. It's like a primitive glue, basically. Okay. Okay. Um, twisting uh, string and cordage. I'm, I've become pretty good at that. I uh, I really like to use uh, a plant called milkweed. It has really, I would say, probably one of the strongest uh, fibers in North America. And you use that again for uh, just again attaching blades to to handles or handles to blades or whatever it might be. Yeah, like yeah, cordage, cord, so like a string, the okay. fancy word for string. Sure, <laughs> uh, can be used for a million things. Everyone always needs cordage, especially in bushcraft and all that. So it, it's nice to know how to do that from natural materials, just in case you're ever in a survival situation or something like that. So then, I guess let's let's go through a couple steps of let's just say making a, a knife that you like to make. So the first thing you do is flint nap the stone, correct? I actually like to make the handle first so okay. then I know okay. what to work around with the blade. Sure, so I sure. have a I have a knife here I made from TV glass and uh, I made the handle first and then you kind of work around the uh, the blade. So you don't carve the notch in the, uh, the handle right away. You do that after you're finished napping the blade so then you can adjust it to where it uh, grabs it nicely. And then you glue it in and then you can wrap it with sinew or uh, natural plant fibers. That's what I was trying to figure out whether you wrap the fibers and then glue or glue then fibers. Okay, I see. Well, you 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 could um, what I did with my the last sphere I made, I glued it on, then wrapped it with fibers, and then I glued it again to kind of make like a primitive fiberglass. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. And again, those are kind of steps that we even use today to make the modern knives that we use. You know, you. Yeah. Like the handle, the blade, and you kind of glue it all together or bolt it or yeah. screw it together. So Just advancing through time, really, new sure. technologies. It's, it's pretty much all the same thing, just with different uh, materials. And different. The Neanderthal Mind Podcast would like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please, if you love what you've heard, Subscribe, rate, and review the Neanderthal Mind podcast wherever you download your listening entertainment from. And please, if you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast as much as we hope you did, recommend the Neanderthal Mind t- to them. Until next week, my fellow cave dwellers, don't forget, leave your cave drawing on our wall at the neanderthalmind.com. <laughs>